And so core value number three this week is we believe that God in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, empowers his children to live out what he's done in their life. Now, why is that unique? Or why should that take us back? Well, because for thousands of years, before Christ came, God's people did the best they could. Well, that's not exactly true. They didn't always do the best they could (laughs) to try and strive and obey and follow after God for thousands of years. And there was always something that was lacking between God and his people. And so Christ comes and he is the only human in history to hold up his end of the bargain in the relationship and covenant between God and humanity. And in so doing, he makes a brand new way for all of us now to experience something greater than a roller coaster experience in our walk with God, that He can actually enable us to begin to walk out a new life. It's unprecedented because we can't apart from Him. That's right. And so we believe so central to, to running with us here and, 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 and central to belonging to Christ is. He empowers us to do so. He empowers us to love him and to walk with him. I had an interesting thought this week. Anyone heard of the phrase, the joy of the Lord is your? I had a thought about that. Can I share my thought about that? Why is it that the joy of the Lord is our strength? Now, what do you think of when you think of the joy of the Lord? Remember, we're talking about being empowered, and it's our strength. What do you think of when you think the joy of the Lord? So, come on, you'll get a candy bar after the service. What do you think? (laughs) His truth, peace, what else? His love. His promises, excitement, I like that. You get a giant size. Oh, presents better. A giant size went over to presents. <laughs> His glory. So here's the thought. All those things are probably right, so congratulations. Whew. But the Lord spoke something to me this week that changed me. And he says, it's this. When I think Traditionally about the joy of the Lord, I think about it being something that I possess, the joy of the Lord. But I'm telling you, it was like a train that hit me face on. No, 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 no. The joy that's in the Lord's heart, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, if you don't know what I did there, it wasn't my idea, he told me. The joy that's in the Lord's heart toward his creation and toward his people, when we get a hold of what God thinks of us 
It strengthens us to live out who God has called us to be. I've never seen it. I didn't read it in the commentary. Maybe someone wrote it. I don't care. But in my devotions, it dropped in my heart. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Why is it my strength? Is it just a bunch of happy people? No, 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 no. When you understand the links to which God has gone to rescue you, to deliver you, to save you, to give you a plan, a purpose, a future, to deliver you from that which you kept going to, to for life and meaning and satisfaction, that when you realize that the joy of the Lord and that he loves you and he loved us at our lowest, worst possible point when we were enemies rebels against his purposes, the joy of the Lord, that Jesus approached the cross, Hebrews 12, one through three, not begrudgingly, but for the joy set before him because he knew on the other side of his pain and his suffering, it meant a reconciled humanity and a new creation, a new world, a new family, a new possibility. So the insight this morning that I just want you to walk away, uh, I'm just gonna unpack it for a bit and then we're gonna spend some time praying because There's way more that can happen when God just tells you than when I tell you, amen. The joy of the Lord. Knowing God delights in us gives us strength to live out the potential that he sees in us. I haven't been doing it as often as I'd like, but when it was just... Haley and me and Mackenzie, I used to quote a scripture over her every day. Now we've got Caleb and Benjamin, so I skip a few days or weeks between, and I, no excuse, but it just happens, so I'm sorry. And I would quote to her every day, the Lord, your God, is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. And rejoice over you with singing. And then I added a little part. You're the apple of your father's eye. You're daddy's princess. And I love you with all my heart. Did you know that there is a God in heaven who doesn't just like you or love you when you're functioning at a 10? but he loves you right where you're at this morning. Some of us don't believe it yet, and so we try really hard. But you woke up, love, this morning before you did one good thing or bad thing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Then I began to think about Jesus' ministry Jesus lived his entire ministry and life in light of being uh, delighted in by his father. <clears throat> when Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, what, what, what happened in Matthew three seventeen, The heavens opened. A voice thundered. This is my son, whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus can say about his ministry, the one who sent me is always with me because I always do what pleases him. 
Later, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is there with his closest three compadres, comrades. And the Father speaks again. This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Jesus experienced the unbridled joy of communion and fellowship with his father that was never interrupted. And I wonder today I wonder this morning if some of us have graduated or moved on from the very thing that was never supposed to be graduated or moved on for. Jesus loves me, this I know. How how else does it go? For the... Did you know that they didn't have a Bible? I heard this earlier this week for about 300 and something plus years. So he loved you before the Bible told you so, for the record. Second uh, Timothy 1, 9 through 10 tells us that the, the gospel of God's grace was actually an eternal reality. So he's loved you for a really long time. And I'm wondering if the most powerful dynamic that is supposed to motivate and enable you to walk out your Christian faith is that you would walk with the reality of how much God delights and loves you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Did you know that it's not that love and obedience are enemies, but it's if you love me, you'll obey me, and that's on purpose. That it's in that sequence. You and I are not meant to live guessing in our daily lives what God thinks about us. You and I are not designed or meant to live unaware of God's intention toward us. It can be said that the value of something or someone is determined by the price someone's willing to pay for it, them or it. So you can think your house is worth 650000 but if you can only get 600 for it, that's how much it's worth. Sorry, no offense. And Scripture tells us that You were bought at a price in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and 20. And what was the price that was paid? Romans 8, 31 and 2, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? 
core value number three, empower. Yes, empower you to be a witness, Acts 1.8. Yes, empower you to live a holy life, 1 Thessalonians 4.7. Yes, empower you to walk and live and breathe and have your being in God, Acts 17.23, through the rest. Yes, the purpose is to empower you to walk as Jesus walked, 1 John 2, 6. Yes, the purpose is to empower you. um, Help me out, people. Everything. But I would argue, I would argue that the number one purpose of God's empowering presence is to enable us to love him. and to live all of life in light of how much he loved us first. See, I think if we ever lose sight of the centrality and the reality, there's nothing you and I could ever give God that he didn't already own. Uh, Romans chapter 11, 31 through 34. What can you give God? I give a God who owns everything. Well, here's what you can give them. You can give them your heart. And my one hope that you would walk away today as we think about what does it mean to be empowered, I would contend that the number one thing that is the thing, the issue, is that because of what Jesus has done is that you and I are now empowered to love him. I wish I could be more clever or thoughtful or, because if you love him, you'll obey him. And if you're in the realm of obedience, everything's possible. So you see, love is the issue. So God's idea has always been from garden, (coughs) Genesis, to mobile tabernacle right at the center of Israel, right in the center, to on the Temple Mount, Jerusalem, to the walking, talking temple, John 1, 14, Jesus, the one who came full of grace and truth, the very glory of God manifest in skin and bone, and now the abiding, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, his His goal has always been that humanity would reciprocate what he's poured out on us first, namely, love. And I'm telling you, you and I can reciprocate love because of his empowering presence. You may not think love is that big of a deal or that it's kind of elementary, Well, with all due respect, you're wrong. A teacher in the law approached Jesus and he asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment in the whole three quarters of your Bible? So like the whole Old Testament, what's the most important? And Jesus can summarize 1,400 pages The most important 
has always been, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, Chad, well, isn't that easy? No, that's why you need power. <laughs> Core value number three. Second Timothy, verse three, writes about a sobering reality. It's sort of like reading the newspaper. I want you to listen to every time the word love is mentioned in these five verses I read. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Okay, I don't know if you read Tim LaHaye, Left Behind, or whatever your eschatology is, and the terrible times or the chip in your forehead or whatever stream you came in or Hollywood gave you. <laughs> How many know half of walking with Christ is unlearning untruth or non-truth? It's so significant. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days, and you might think he might list some gnarly thing like, I don't know, some gnarly thing. Help me. Some bombs are gnarly, and I'm not saying that's not, couldn't happen, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. How many, that is so profound, that if love is misplaced, everything is misplaced. If love is off kilter, or if it's aimed at something else other than its intended target, Everything else crumbles around a life lived where love is misplaced. Mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. We don't want to talk about that. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Whoa, without love. That's the third time love has been mentioned. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of, there it is again, come on, pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Remember, core value number three is in power. And where does power come from? It always flows through love. Did you know that when the Spirit comes to the human heart for the first time, Romans 5, 5 says it's, 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 the power, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that reveals love to the human heart. Romans 5.5. 5. Did you know, Galatians 5.22, that when, when you're born of the Spirit, you're born again, you put your faith in Christ, what happens is this. I don't know how it happens or what it looks like, but the, the fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit that begins to grow because it's the thing that, that, re, that God reveals to the human heart, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love. Mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days, all oh, the oogie-boogie Hollywood images, or that people will just, the, love is the issue. Jesus said in Matthew 24, another end time passages, I'm not trying to scare you this morning, but we're probably living in the last days. 
I mean, they've been, they were living in the last days 2,000 years ago, so certainly we are too. Come on, somebody, read your Bible. A whole letter is devoted, 2 Thessalonians, to a church that thought that Jesus already returned. So they've been living with expectation and anticipation for the return of Christ for thousands of years. Are you tracking with me? How many know no one knows the day or the time? I'm just trying to help you as your pastor. Don't listen to nobody who says they got a corner on the market and they can predict when Christ is coming. Only the Father knows. Okay, so don't get derailed. But Jesus, again, describing the last days, and specifically in Matthew 24, he's talking, uh, how many know that the nature of biblical prophecy is that oftentimes there is a for the time it was given fulfillment, and then there is a to be fulfilled time. So in Matthew 24, when Jesus writes about the last times, Almost all of what was written was fulfilled by 70 AD when Rome came and sacked Jerusalem, burned the temple. Are you tracking with me? So there's that literal reading of 24, but there's also, it's because it's a prophetic picture of the last times, there, is, there are things yet to be fulfilled. Someone say, yet to be fulfilled. So Jesus begins to paint a picture for those who will follow him, again, 70 AD, but also to our day. At that time, verse 10, many will turn away from the faith. And they will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase, look at, listen to this, because of the increase of wickedness, what's the first thing that goes out the window? And what I want to say unapologetically But in all sobriety and seriousness, we believe that God can actually empower you to live and to to live in love and to give the love that belongs only to God, that you can actually do it because of the power of God. I'm telling you, I'm trying to paint the picture just simply in Scripture that yes, empower you to do this and exploits for God, but I'm telling you, if you miss the very central thing the issue of love, the issue of affection, the issue of, of, of friendship and communion, the issue of fellowship and abiding in God, the issue of, of not allowing things in our lives to steal our affection and, and love and to steal our, our gaze and our heart and our attention. I'm telling you, if you lose that battle, you better not go out and try to use your gift and your ability because if you lose that, you've lost everything because love is the issue. It always has been the issue. Love, that fidelity, that surrender, that God, my life is yours. I don't belong to me, I belong to you. And Jesus tells us that because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Well, that sounds sad. Well, because it is, it's tragic. What's the temperature on your love this morning? Is God just like, 
Is he like on a list somewhere of important things in your life, in my life? Or is he everything? And I'm convinced that most of us are bored or dissatisfied in our walk with God and we settle just for going through the motions because of this issue of love. We don't know how much he loves us, first of all. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And then, so I was running this week and I wish there was some magic pill I could take to just get in shape. And everybody said amen. That's all I needed to say. <laughs> but doggone it, you got to run three or four times a week. And what I want to say this morning, number one, God loves you. A lot. Because of the price he paid for you. That's good news. Number two, he wants to empower you to love him and back. But like running, I can't give you a magic pill for that. And I'm convinced that many of us aren't living out of that love and the power of his presence is because there is no margin or space in our life where we are regularly exposed to that love, where we're regularly exposed to his heart for us. I was really encouraged by my friend John Sparrow, who's a pastor at a church in Arroyo Grande. Thanks a lot, John, if you ever listen to this message, where he told me the average regular attender of church is 1.4 times a month. So if Sunday's your only exposure, I'm telling you, it's awesome if it's part of your rhythm, but if it's your only exposure to God, it's gonna be hard to make it. Can I just be honest this morning? I promise you, you don't want me to butter up or goose your egg or whatever that means. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Delete that. This is such a serious morning, and I'm not trying to be, I'm, this, is not a, this is not a polished sermon, as you can tell. I had three sermons to pick from, and I'm just trying to, but I could give a rip if God would break into your heart this morning and set you on a path and empower you to walk a path of abiding in him and loving him. I'm telling you, it will revolutionize your entire existence. Right. I didn't say it would make it would easy or 
polished or pretty, but I'm telling you, listen, you and I cannot afford to have a cold heart with the shaking that is coming. And I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not some fake prophet or whatever just saying this is happening. But I'm telling you, you remember 9-11? Remember where you were? I remember where I was. I was on, we were. And everyone knows that every church was filled for about two weeks after that. Everyone knows that. But about by week three, they were back to normal size. And do you know why? Because being motivated by fear is always and only going to be short-lived. That's why love is the issue. Mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days because people will forget because of sin's allure and pleasure, and it is pleasurable and it is alluring, They'll misplace their affection, and if they miss, if I can get, the enemy says, if I can get them to misplace what they love and what they're passionate about more than anything, I can, I can, I can render them powerless and ineffective for God and his purposes. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to be powerless anymore. You don't have to be bored with your faith. Oh my goodness, I'm telling you, so many of us are. And I put us in there because I struggle with it sometimes. Just going through the motions. God wants to, in these last days, set his church ablaze with a love for him and each other and for his world. That's what God wants to do this morning. You ever see, heard those stories, what those moms who can lift up cars when their babies get trapped or something? You, you know why? Well, adrenaline, okay. Anyone heard those stories? Remember those just heroic stories of what someone in love can do and will do? Love is the issue, by the way. And we love, 1 John 4, 19, because all right, here's the poem part and my third point. Just kidding. Isn't it interesting that you, like the church, so, so Paul, and then I'm done with this. The apostle Paul prays for the church in Ephesus. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses 
whoa, it even surpasses knowledge. That's cool. That she may be filled to all the fullness of God. Now, so church in Ephesus gets like the best prayer in the whole Bible. That's the best prayer in the whole Bible. Probably my favorite prayer in the whole Bible. Fast forward 40 years, 50, you can read your commentary. When Jesus in Revelation 2 has a message for the church in Ephesus, what is his message in Revelation chapter 2? So the church that got the number one prayer in the Bible, in my opinion, the love that is deeper and higher and stronger and more powerful that surpasses knowledge, is the very church, if they, in 40 or 50 years after, they still care about truth and doctrine and living right and they don't tolerate hypocrites and but the only thing that all of their busyness and religious doing, they lost sight of the centrality of their entire faith, which is namely to keep the place of love hot and passionate instead of just settling for being and doing religious good stuff. I'm telling you, there's no substitute this morning in your or my life, not the, the amount of hours you volunteer or the amount of money you give or the, the purity of your doctrine or how much truth you think you know. Listen, the issue has always been about in the center of who you and I are, does a love for God burn today or has it grown cold? Look what he says. He says, guys, you, you do all this stuff, but you've forsaken your first love. I don't even get it. They got the best prayer, the love prayer. So you know what that means? It means this message this morning, it's addressed to all of us. I want you to love me. But here's the problem about all this. So whoever wrote that song, All You Need Is Love, they didn't know what they were writing. They were thinking of like the yuppie, do what you feel like kind of love. That ain't love. That's called lust. No offense. All you need is love. Just be cool. Love demands everything from you. Did you know that? That's right. It is because it costs him everything to reciprocate. It just costs us everything. And many of us, we're hoping for the next quick fix or thing to get us on the path that we long for or to have the relationship that we want so bad. And I feel like the word of the Lord this morning is, okay, love me. <laughs> is your love cold this morning? okay, but it doesn't have to be. At Cornerstone Church, we believe that God empowers his people by his spirit. to love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself. (laughs) 
For some of us, this is a painful message because we know that our hearts are divided. And you know this morning, if you're here, I know why I don't love God. It's because all my love is already being used up on everything else. You can surrender this morning. And you can give God that stuff. And you can start a journey this morning of loving God, receiving his love, and living in light of who you are in him. It's so significant. It's not the message this morning, but Jesus lived out his entire ministry in light of the fact that his father loved him. And then Jesus' whole ministry, I love the father. It was reciprocated. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's made a way for us to do the same, to love him, to walk with him. So who wants to be empowered by love this morning? You just say, Chatty, listen, it ain't easy. Anyone married in here? Uh-oh, now he's going to preach. <laughs> I just said, no one answered me. Everyone just giggled. <laughs> My prayer for us this morning is that we would receive God's empowerment to pursue him this week. Amen. We would receive God's power to love him this week we would receive God's power to allow that power to push us beyond even just being a good person and voting right or doing right or doing right. And it would, it would propel us to living a lifestyle of abiding in Jesus, resting in Jesus, loving Jesus, loving those around us. For some of us, that means that we need to forsake some stuff. Anyone like that this morning? I know that means something's gotta go. If you raise your hand a little higher, God might. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not about guilt or shame. Those, they motivate you for like three hours. And then the carbs look too good. <sighs> There's something more powerful than guilt and motivation. There's something more powerful than fear, and it's being motivated or compelled by love. Amen. And that's what he wants to do at Cornerstone Church. Did you know that the most compelling thing to people is to see somebody in love? So just right now where you're bowed, bow your heart, your head, and if there's areas of compromise and stuff in our life that are causing the love of God as we, experience, or as we express it to him, his love for us never diminishes us. Praise God, neither height nor depth, angels or demons. Romans 8, read it, it's awesome.
but our experience of that love fluctuates, right? Amen. The, the reality of the awareness of his love fluctuates on our end, not on his, because of sin, because of um, compromise or blinders or barriers. So just ask the Lord right now just to remove those right now in Jesus' name. To remove those barriers and obstacles, those idols, those things that are stealing your love and affection for God. Ask the Lord Jesus to come and just wash you and clean you this morning. Your love does not have to grow cold, says the Lord. It doesn't have to be what happens to you. You can stay filled and full of my love and passion for me. And let's just, ask, just begin, just ask the Lord, Lord, fill me, empower me to love you this week. Empower me to receive your love this week. Empower me to show your love this week. Because if you love me, you will obey me. You won't even be able to resist. You'll want to. And when you don't want to, my love will compel you, I promise. It'll help you. It'll enable you, empower you. I just sense that the Lord is drawing. He's drawing some in this room to leave the old behind and to be empowered to walk in the new. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Living in light of his immense joy and pleasure over your heart, over your life, changes everything. Lord, I pray that that joy, that reality of what you see and what you've made available for us, I pray that it would forever change us today. We love you, God. We praise you. We thank you that the good news today is it's possible. Come on, you don't have to be in the big list of those who have misplaced love. You and I can be right in the center of the action, right in the center of his love. In Jesus' name, amen.